Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully you're enjoying your wonderful weekend. I know I am. You're, you're standing today. I'm, I'm looking. How, you What, about 6'3", 6'4"? Six, six, like 6'5". Six, 6'5"? Six, five. Six, five. Six, Jeez. I mean, I'm sitting in this seat looking up at this giant towering over me. How's, how's standing? Does, does it work better standing? You know, it's, it's morning. I'm tired. And so yes, I thought I would stand today just because to, I see other people do it. I was just, like, well, why are they just standing? To try it, it out. Looks, yeah, that looks stupid. Yeah, but guess what? I'm, I'm enjoying it. You like it? No, yeah, it's keeping me fresh. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed you're like tight today. Yeah, I'm a little spry. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> a little angry too. <laughs> it's like, see, when I'm sitting down, I don't it's care. Like, it's, it's like, like everything whatever. I say. It's a debate, right? You know, uh, Joe. There's some propositions in California. Okay. Uh, and I don't really want to talk most of them, except for Prop 55. I want to talk about Prop 62. Okay, all right, we'll get into that. So Prop 55, well, let me explain. Proposition 30 that we all voted on, I believe it was 2012, this extended the income tax brackets for the state of California. Because before that, the highest bracket was 9.3%. And so Proposition 30, way back in 2012, said... All right, if you're single, and these are, these are the current brackets, uh, at least for, well, this is for 2015. So if your income, if your taxable income in California is single above 263000 it goes to 10.3%, 315000 113 and 526000 123 And also, Joe, when you get to a million bucks, then it's 133 because there's this mental health tax. Now, when you're married... Mental health? Mental health. And it's, it's for you, because we know we're going to need it. Cost, oh, I just gave you that. Just threw gets, it up there. It's going to cost millions, every single tax so in California. So we just call that jo- the Joe Anderson, Joe Anderson tax. Fund, when he finally loses it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're married, uh, it's it's a little over $500,000 where your tax goes to 10.3 and so on. So um, anyway, this was set to expire in 2019. So we've got a Proposition 55 that says... You know what? This is a pretty good idea. Let's extend it to 2030. So that's that's what the Proposition 55 is all about. And I remember way back in 2012 when this passed, uh, and it was retroactive, which didn't really seem fair. I haven't seen any commercials on it. No. Well, you you um you probably see the smoking one all the time. The, oh, the marijuana one. No, the, like <laughs> cigarette. Like don't. Uh, it's all. You know, you got one guy saying, oh, my kid died of smoking cigarettes, so please vote for this. And then another commercial is like, oh, all it is is going to the insurance companies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what prop that is. <laughs> I yeah, don't vote for that one. more prepared for that one. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> all right, let's uh, put another couple dollars into the mental health yes, fund for please, Joseph Anderson. Please. So uh, anyway, I, I remember what I was going to say was back in 2012, it was passed retroactively, and the, and the thought at that point was that uh, there was going to be a mass exit this of wealthy people because the tax rate was going up and you know that's in some ways I, Phil sp- Mickelson. I suppose that's a valid concern uh, yeah that's that's true he in fact he was going to leave and go to Florida yeah. a couple of years ago and Hang then stayed the but I understand his homes on the market I heard 
Yeah. Well, look at the inside scoop from yeah. Big Al. We yeah. got a new segment, Dad. <laughs> I could tell you all this stuff you wouldn't necessarily know. At least that's what I heard anyway. But I guess um, I guess you know for a lot of us this doesn't really matter. It doesn't really apply because So why are we bringing you know, it up? But, it, well, it's, it's something that we're going to be voting on here, oh. and it's taxes. And we talk about taxes. So let me ask you this. This because, all right, you know the property taxes? That's Prop 60. Well, Prop 13 is you can we have the lower property tax. Right. Right. But, like, Prop 60, isn't that when I can carry my um, tax basis to a um, equal or lower home? Yes. So If you, I'm 55 years of age or older. Yeah, so once in a lifetime. Okay, you gotta, so, it's, yeah. so I got this question. Okay. And um, this was the first time I was actually stumped in quite some time. Really? Because I, w- I didn't know it was once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Because I was, you know, like the 121 exclusion. Yeah, it's every two It's every years. two out of five years sure. that you live in your primary yeah. residence. You right. can exclude the gain. Yep. And then so um, the individual was like, well, how many times can I do that? And I'm like, you know, when you get asked a question in a bubble like that without yeah. any um, context sure. around it of what, right. what they're thinking or what their strategy is. Yeah, right. It's I'm like, well, what I don't know. What, 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 I'm like, what are you trying to do? Right. Like, what, what's, <laughs> tell me that first. Yeah, and, right. I can, and then I can maybe tell you if you can do it or not do it. Right. You have, so, no, have enough time to figure it out. Yeah, right. So here's what their strategy potentially was, is that they wanted to sell their primary residence and they wanted to move into a rental. I mean, right. move into another property. Okay. All right. That um, was the same or lower value, so they could carry over their um, Prop 13 property tax basis. Right. Then they were looking and saying, hey, if I rent that out, can, then can we move into another one? So I was like, okay, well, if I call that a rental, and then let's say I move to Nevada. Okay. <laughs> do I still get the Prop 13 on that property, right? I would still be able to. Uh, I believe so, Joe. I think you can. Oh, see, I, I, it's kind of stumped you. Now. Yeah, you yeah. kind of stumped me. I think. So or does I, it have I, to be a I primary? Guess the, I guess the question is: Does it have to be a primary residence right. or not? I, here's what I, I'm going to say: This is what I think. I think maybe it's it needs to be a primary residence when you do it, but then it could be a rental after that. After the fact is my guess, but I'm not sure about that. But I'll tell you what I do know. Here's what I do know: Is it's a once in a lifetime thing. Either you or your spouse have to be over 55. If you're married and one of the spouses uses it, it taints it for both of you. You get one per couple, right? So, uh, so if um, do both spouses need to be over 55? No, just one is over 55. But then that taints it for that that couple. Yeah. And here, here's the idea: Is that a couple is living in a in a home and there's a lot of appreciation in in, in San Diego, California. And now that there's, and that's a lot of their assets. It's, it's, it's in their home. They want to downsize. They don't need as big a home. But if you downsize, your property taxes actually might go up, even though it's a less expensive home because of the way Prop 13 works. Yeah, and Prop 13 is what? Prop, Prop 13 is when you buy a home in year number one, year number two, your property taxes can, can only go up 2% regardless of how much the home uh, increases in value. So in a lot of cases, people that bought their home 30 years ago are paying the property taxes of a home that might cost half or a third as much as their current value. Right, so their property tax might be based on 300000 while they have a $1.2 right. million dollar home. Yeah, they sell a $1.2 million home, they buy a $600,000 home, and yet their property taxes Goes go up. Double. So, so the idea is you get to take your base, and that's Prop 60, to one property has to be equal or lesser value. But actually, something I just learned is if you buy the, it, you have two years before or two years after. If you, if you buy the replacement property first, it has to be of equal or lesser value. If you buy it within the first year after you sell, it can be 5% 
percent higher, and if you buy it within two years after you sell, it actually can be ten percent higher. So this is where, when you look at it again with an overall retirement income strategy, and you're looking at downsizing, upsizing, moving, selling, buying, you know, when it when it looks at your primary residence, your retirement accounts, your social security, and everything else in between, you want to make sure that you look at everything. And taxes here, right? We've seen individuals that m- might increase their overall tax property tax bill. Right, and then all of a sudden their cash flows are are, are a little messed up. So having this forward-looking strategy is key. Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al, hanging out. Go to purefinancial.com, purefinancial.com. Check us out online. Got um, my favorite part of the show, Al. And what's that? Questions? Email questions. E- email questions, okay. Let's see, what do we got here? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, good. We'll, we'll probably get through two of them. Probably. All right, so let's dive right in because these are questions that uh, most of you probably have a little inkling of wanting to know the answers to. And you'll, you'll probably be able to tell as we start answering we haven't heard the questions before. So we're not, uh, this is just from our thoughts right off the cuff. Here's one for Mr. Alan Klopine, who is a certified public accountant. Um, what is the difference between gross income and taxable income? Oh, okay. That's very, okay. Very good. Because, all right, when you look at it, is that most people hear gross income, or then if you get really sophisticated, you might hear modified adjusted gross income or adjusted gross income. Sure, right. But taxable income, I think in your and I's opinion, is probably the most, probably one of the most important lines that you want to know. I think so, Joe, because that taxable income is going to d- determine what tax bracket you're in, which is going to help determine what tax strategies are going to be the best for you. But let's explain. So gross income is simply that. It's your income sources from things like salary, pensions, social security, interest, dividends, capital gains, and so on. That's your gross income. And if you look at your Form 1040, your tax return, I don't have it in front of me, but I think that's lines 7 through 28, if I'm not mistaken, or 20, 20 or whatever. Anyway, that's your gross income. And then there's a bunch of things at the bottom of page one. It's called adjustments to gross income. If you're self-employed, you can deduct your health insurance. You can deduct your pension payments. If you pay alimony, you get to deduct those, things like that. So you take those adjustments off of your gross income, and then that becomes your adjusted gross income, at least in terms of that's what the IRS calls it. That's what's at the bottom of your 1040, page one, on your tax return. But that's not yet what you pay taxes on because you go to page two and then there's something called itemized deductions and exemptions. Itemized deductions would be like your home mortgage, state taxes, property taxes, charity, things like that. And some of you don't have a lot of those and the IRS says, you know what, if you don't have enough, we'll give you a standard deduction. We'll let you have a certain deduction even if you don't have enough to itemize, which is can be generous. And then there's exemptions. So you take your gross income, minus adjustments, minus itemized deductions, minus exemptions, you get your taxable income. And uh, that's what, line 43 of your tax return on your 1040? And that's going to show you 
what you're going to pay tax on. You take that number, Joe, and you go to a tax table and figure out what bracket am I in. I'm 15%, 25%, 28 33 39.6, for example. And now you know if you add more income or you, add, or you create a deduction, what either you're going to be paying in additional taxes or saving in taxes by creating that deduction. Right. So if you look at your taxable income, line 43 on your tax return, second page of the 1040, just as Al said, is like, let's say you fall into the 15% tax bracket, for example. If you created a deduction, so let's say you gave more money to charity, that let's say you gave $1,000 extra to charity that year, well, you would save 15% in federal tax. Right, so right? 150 bucks. 150 bucks. So, or if you said, you know what, maybe if I added income, if I received a bonus, or if I you know, worked some overtime, or maybe you did some uh, tax strategies and planning when it comes to adding income by taking more distributions from a retirement account in regards to a, a Roth conversion, then you know you're going to be paying 15% in tax on that additional income until you breach the next bracket, which would be 25. So you look at the taxable income, and then that's going to tell you if you add a dollar of income or you subtract a dollar of income, what the overall tax bill is going to be or what the tax savings is going to be. And if you don't know that number, I would encourage you to look at it and understand what the tax tables do because that will change how you look at your overall retirement strategy when it comes to taxes. Yeah, for example, this is a real simple example, but sometimes when they, people look at their taxable income and they find out they're in a pretty low bracket, let's say a 15% bracket, and then they're also doing an IRA contribution, which is if you have earned income, it's $5,500 per year or $6,500 if you're over 50 because they want the deduction. But yet they're in a really low tax bracket. An individual in that situation probably should do a Roth contribution because a Roth is going to grow tax-free. And when all that money was, is withdrawn, there's no tax to pay. And the tax deduction that that individual receives isn't that great because they're in a low bracket. So many times we see people doing the wrong things in the wrong brackets just because they didn't really take a look at where they were at. Right. I mean, you, because you can take a rule of thumb type of advice. Money Magazine, Kiplinger's, Radio, whatever. And you're like, okay, well, here, I should contribute to my 401k plan. All right, well, if you're only saving, let's say, $5,000 into the 401k plan, and assuming that there is no match, you should open up a Roth IRA and put it in there because the tax savings that you're getting in that 15% tax bracket, it might be better if it was an after-tax contribution. You pay the tax and then have all of that money grow 100% tax-free. Right. So you have to look at your tax bracket to make the right moves. Now, on the other hand, Joe, sometimes people will find they're subject to alternative minimum tax, and uh, there's different levels of alternative minimum tax. But generally, when you first hit that alternative minimum tax threshold, which is different for everybody, so I can't tell you what income level that occurs. I know. It's it's so stupid. It's all dependent on your deductions. It depends. But let's just say somewhere around $200,000 of income, maybe more, maybe less, but just so that you have an idea. (laughs) You might be subject to alternative minimum tax, and now your marginal rate is going to be closer to 35% 
okay, plus state, which is 9.3. So it's almost a 45% tax rate between federal and state. And so there, it's like, should I do a Roth contribution? Well, you may not be able to because your income is too high. But let's just say you qualified for a Roth contribution. Maybe an IRA contribution might be better for you because you're in such a high tax bracket. And so that's the kind of thing you got to look at. That's why this taxable income is so important. Right. And then for those of you that have the Roth provision in your 401k plan, Right, you want to look at your taxable income. So let's say you're maxing out your 401k, which is eighteen thousand dollars if you're under fifty, twenty four thousand dollars if you're over fifty. And so you want to be a little bit more strategic here to say, all right, well, if I want to put twenty four thousand dollars into my retirement account, and if I have a Roth provision in the 401k plan through my employer, meaning that they have both sides of the equation that you can go pre tax or after tax. Look at your taxable income, line 43 on your return. See what tax bracket that you're in. Because you could be, let's say, $10,000 in one bracket, right? So you might go $10,000 pre-tax to get you into a lower bracket. And then the remaining $14,000, you would go into the Roth or vice versa. So looking at taxable income and understanding what that means to you is going to dictate what type of planning. You're gonna be a lot smarter for it. And guess what? It takes five seconds to yeah. open up your tax return to look at your, you know, to see what bracket you're to, in. Yeah, to, and to, that's a really good thought, Joe. And just a quick example, let's say your taxable income is 85,000 and you're married, right? And you haven't done any 401k. I'm just making this a real simple example, but you want to do a full $18,000 401k. Well, in that example, you would do $10,000 in the regular 401k to bring your taxable income to 75000 which is the top of the 15% bracket. And the other 8000 would go into the Roth side because the other 8000 would not give you that great a deduction. Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Alan Klopine. Big Al, uh, he's a CPA. Go to purefinancial.com to learn more information about us. We are a registered investment advisor, uh, financial planning firm here in Southern California. We have offices in San Diego, Irvine, and in Los Angeles. Answering some email questions there, bud. Yeah, I can't wait. What do you got next? All right. Let's see here. This is from Larry in La Mesa. Okay, good. All right. Joe Al, love your show. Longtime listener. Here's this question. Okay. I already have a personal IRA with a major mutual fund company. He's got a lump sum, my lump sum pension will be going into this account because it's all tax-free until I start to withdraw. I have a fear of commingling it with other investments which are at 60-40 split between stocks and bonds. What is your recommendation? I have a tentative fund picked out consisting of 88% bonds, 12% in a stock fund. This fund is the least risky fund right above money markets on the company's risk and benefit sliding scale. Any thoughts? Well, first of all, thank you for listening to the show. Appreciate that very much. Um, second, we, we're not going to give you a recommendation over the air, but we could give you some thoughts. Okay, that's a good point, Joe. 
because I mean, there's a lot of there, there's a lot more questions to be <laughs> about asked a thousand before we really dive into this. But uh, so anyway, but you got an IRA already, great. So I guess there's a couple of different questions. The first question is, is that all right? Well, here I already have an additional IRA. I got a lump sum. He's afraid to commingle the the accounts. Yes, uh, good good point. First so question. what do, what do you think about that? Uh, I don't have any problems with that. Because here's why. Because when you when you have a lump sum and it goes into your IRA, it's it's all still tax deferred money. You can invest it. There's 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 no there, there's no reason to worry about that. I guess because it's all it, you know it's it's all pre tax or maybe if you got some basis, it's still it doesn't matter. In, in fact, if you put it in a separate IRA, the IRS looks at, at it as if it were one IRA anyway. So there's no there's no danger in commingling. So I think one of the things he's got it with a major mutual fund company. So with that, um, because maybe everything is in one fund, he might have a like a balanced fund. Yeah, and, and remember, it used to be Joe the rules. Uh, this is years ago, where you wanted to segregate your rollover IRA from your pension, so then you could roll it back in, and you couldn't in many plans you couldn't roll an IRA back in, and those rules are, are it's just everything's kind of blended together now. It doesn't really matter. So, if you have a brokerage account, then you could pick all sorts of different fund families within the brokerage account. So maybe you want to look at that, or if you like the fund family, um, and just directly with that fund family, um, that. Either sounds maybe as a um, well, whatever. It doesn't necessarily matter. But I agree with you, right? It's a it's a lump sum. He decided to take the lump sum. You move it into the same IRA or open up another one. I would just put it in the same IRA because when you get older, then that's one less account that it's, you have to worry about. It's, it's easier to track. You get one set of statements instead of two, right? And so here's the other question within that was like, okay, well, I don't want to commingle. Well, no, that's all right, commingle. Second question is, all right, well, I got this other fund picked out that's a lot less conservative. So or he's lot, thinking what the more. money goes in, right, he has to set up maybe a separate account to have this less conservative type of investment. Yeah. Again, if you have like a brokerage account, right, you can have multiple different mutual funds with multiple different risk parameters. With You know what I mean? You can have 15 different funds with 15 different risk characteristics yeah, if you, if you, all in one account. If you felt like it, yeah, you could have a completely oh, a new investment inside this IRA. You don't even touch the old ones. If, right. If so you keep the existing one, 60-40, yeah. and then with the money... Money that's come in, then you use your 88%, 12%. So that's actually, you said more aggressive, but it's actually more conservative. Well, well, I'm just reading what he told me here. I have a tentative fund picked out consisting of 88% bonds of all types and 12% a stock fund. This fund is the least risky fund right above money markets on the company's risk and benefit sliding scale. Yes, but you said more risky. Go back and run the tape. Podcasters, (laughs) please call my office. Who is right? Anyway, I guess the, the broader question, though, is that there's a lot of questions to be asked to figure out how you should be investing. So, so we don't know. Are, are you working? Are you? Are you? I assume he's retiring because he's getting a lump sum, but maybe he's getting another job, right? So, when do you need the money, right? What's what? Uh, what's your cash flow needs? What's your fixed income? What sort of drain do you have to have on your portfolio to cover your lifestyle? All right, now that's going to start to help us figure out what rate of return that you need. Now, now we can work backwards and devise a portfolio to earn that rate of return with the least amount of risk. Very, very true, my friend. Very true. Because it's not like, all right, well, here I'm retired. 
Um, I'm going to put everything in this 88% bond fund that's right above a money market, he's yeah. saying, right? From right. a risk to return um, scale. I don't know what scale he's looking at. Right. So it's like, all right, well, here, maybe you need to take on more risk. How old are you? Yeah. How, what's the longevity? Inflation is a true risk that you're ignoring here, potentially. Right. And, and what if... Uh what if you don't need it? Right. What, what if this money is for your kids? For charity. Right. Or charity. Then let's be a little more aggressive. For 30 years, let's say. You, right. you, you know, if you're looking at a 30-year life expectancy, or you back it out. And just like Al said, it's like, all right, well, what is the money for? How much money that you need to provide you with the retirement income that you're looking to do? And then take the least amount of risk possible to help you achieve that goal. But you might have multiple goals. One is for retirement income. One is for legacy planning. One is for charitable planning. One is for college education. One is for whatever. So then that, that's why you just you can't look at this in a vacuum. And I think, unfortunately, I th- so many people do. I think a lot of people do. In fact, that's a lot of times. Because like, it's too much work to go through all this. I know. What, what, oh, yeah, you're killing me. you got to think about it. All right. Here's another one for you. Okay. This is from Janet. Janet. San Diego. Like it. All right. She didn't say Joe and Al love the show. She <laughs> She said, I, I, think, I think your show is awful, but I'm going to ask you a question. Anyway. Like, You're the only ones that will we'll actually read, <laughs> actually my, question. read my question. I, I I've been to, trying to talk to these other advisors for years, and they never talked to me. 20 years. I finally get someone to read the question. All right. So I took out a personal loan of 8000 uh, for debt consolidation purpose with my credit union. Okay. I'm simply wondering... If this loan will affect my income tax in any way, do I report the loan on my taxes? Will it make a difference in how much my refund will be? Ah, so she question. took out a personal loan for debt consolidation purposes. Yeah. Um, and then so she's wondering, hey, what's going on? Will this loan affect my taxes? Okay, Janet, that's an easy question to answer. It's uh, I assume you probably borrowed this money to pay off debt consolidation credit cards or whatever. So when you borrow money, that's not a taxable event. So you don't have to report it anywhere. So as a matter of fact, $8,000 may have come into your checking account or your savings account, wherever you put it, but that's not income because it's debt. And the reason it's not income is because you have to pay it back, right? If you think of normally income, taxable income, is money that you receive that's yours, that you did for earning something or, or, or you know, profit on a, on, on a stock or, or bond or something like that. But uh, no, this is, a, this is borrowing. So there's, it's not a taxable event. You do not put it on your tax return, and it will not affect your tax refund. Can I obtain uh, a loan on a quick claim property? All right. So this is uh, Jerry from Jerry. Orange County. Okay, good. I'm proposing that my father enters into a quick claim to transfer the interest of one of his properties to me. Okay. I have an average credit score and employed as a barber. Ah, I wonder if it's one of mine. Maybe. Yeah. You, you Maybe have he's disguising his name. I got one in Los Angeles, and I have one yeah, in San Diego. Still have the two shops. Are you going to expand? Debonair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at San Francisco. Nice. Uh, my concern is that I will not be able to take out a loan on the property. The title is free and clear, meaning it is fully paid for. What are my options or obstacles in obtaining a loan? Uh, well, that's a good question. So, Jerry, it's um, a quick claim d- deed means now that the property is in your name. That's about all it means. And so now you have complete title to it, and it's free and clear. So you have the ability to finance it subject to your own ability to pay back the debt. So it's going to be based upon your income, right? Or, and So dad gives son the property. Yeah. 
So then the property is in the, the the name of the son. So there's no financing required there because the house is paid off. There's no financing required, right? But, but may, Dad probably wants some may, cash, that's right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, maybe Dad wants cash or maybe Jerry wants cash for something else. And so you can borrow on that property. It's free and clear. It's, it's a refinance. It's not a purchase. And we're not mortgage lenders, but it's it's a little bit different refinancing maybe. But, but at any rate, yeah, it's free and clear. As long as you can qualify for a loan, you can refinance it and pull whatever cash out is subject to the property value, your income, what the lender feels they can lend to you, and, and that sort of thing. And well, Al, you've been a real estate investor for quite some time, and I know you're not a mortgage lender, but this is just a, a question here for Jerry. So he's a barber, right? So um, I own two barber shops, so I understand the income um, limitations of barbers. Sure. Some of them can make a lot of money of them, some of them can't, but right, they're not yeah. making millions of dollars a year. Right. And I think Jerry's one of these individuals that says, you know what, I'm I'm making a decent living for myself. Sure. But I'm worried about maybe qualifying for a loan. Right. So w- will a lender look at this differently, just in your opinion, right? Yeah. Just as a couple of kids here hanging out. Yeah, right. So if I have a million dollar house paid off and I'm on title of that home and I just want to refinance, maybe take a hundred thousand dollars out versus me purchase purchasing a million dollar home. Yeah. Will they look at my qualifications different? I, I don't think so, Jay. I, I think the um I, I think the, the the reason why I say there are differences is when you purchase a home you can sometimes put minimal down payments and when you refinance and pull cash out, I think a lot of banks will want you to have at least eighty percent loan to value, if not seventy five percent, if not even seventy percent loan to value. In other words, there's a lot of equity in it. But it, but, but if it's totally paid off and I just want to do a hundred thousand sure. dollar let's say it's, refinance. It's, it's so be, I still it, have nine hundred thousand dollars of equity. It, right. It's but it's gonna be subject to your ability to repay the loan. So a traditional loan, the um the lender uh, I mean, so sorry, I guess it would be based on whatever I'm trying to take out. If I'm only trying to take out a hundred thousand dollars on a million dollar loan, they would look at the repayment yeah. capacity of a so, hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah so what I was going to say was on a on a traditional loan, the borrower, the bank looks to the borrower as the primary source of repayment, and they look to the the property itself, secondary collateral, is a secondary source. Now, there are asset-based loans that you can get even without income. You tend to have higher interest rates, from my understanding, but that would be a possibility, let's say, if Jerry's income isn't high enough to get the loan he wants. Right. All right, we got to take another break. When we come back, that's it for us. We're going to wrap this show up, Al. Sounds good. Show's cut your money or well. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back. Uh, wrapping up the show here today on um, Halloween weekend. Yeah, it is. You got big parties you're going to? I Absolutely mean, not. I hate Halloween. You're, uh, you're not a costume guy. I are can't you? stand them. <laughs> I be, I, I, because my mother used to dress me up in the worst costumes oh, really? possible as a kid. Oh, that's good to know. I'm going to email her and get some pictures. It was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she would. Uh, yeah, they were just bad. Bad, bad costumes. Yeah, I yeah. look at my nephews. I mean, it's like wow. These are cool costumes. I would have loved Halloween. <laughs> no, not me. She would like dress me up in like what, like what, like scarecrow or something. No, like a businessman, <laughs> <laughs> like an old man. I would wear a, like a suit, but it, and then so she would put like this weird um, like these old glasses and a mustache, and then I would wear a wig, and okay. then so I'd go to you know I'm in sixth grade and we do the you know maybe a fourth grade. I, don't, I forget. I'm 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 torn, Al. I'm scarred. <laughs> My- and everyone's in Spider-Man, right? And all these cool costumes. And here's me. Right. I'm wearing a jacket that's too big for me. It was my father's. Right. 
in some like baggy pants, and I got a briefcase, and I got a bushy hair, and like some old spectacles and a mustache. Yeah, did you? I'm like, to, what the hell? What, what, what am I, mom? An did, old man? Did you have to put the candy in the briefcase? Open it up when you got to <laughs> yeah, your much. trick or treat. Yeah, she wanted me to be a CPA. And that's why she's got a big crush on Big Al. <laughs> it didn't stick. That did. <laughs> it didn't stick. <laughs> Yeah, what, are you going to dress up? No, I feel the same way as you. I can't stand it. Oh. I mean, I, I, I get roped into a, a Halloween party probably once every five years, and I'm the last several years, always the same thing. I just, I just am a cowboy because I happen to have some jeans, <laughs> some cowboy boots. I got an old cowboy hat. I, I, can, I got a Woody. final shirt. Yeah, yeah Woody. Yeah, right. Woody. Woody. There you go. <laughs> I'll be Buzz. Let's do this. Yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, I did dress up last year, um, and I didn't want to, and I was made. Too. But it was all right. It was. Oh, you got. Is that the face painting one you did? Yeah. That you got the half a face painting? Yeah, half a face. That and was, then. That's um, kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Then a, a, a good friend of mine, she got her face painting and it was like kind of like the a skeleton yeah. or something, right? Yeah, right. And then I had this t shirt that was a skeleton. And yeah. so I just wore a t shirt, but we'll put a jacket, boom, face paint. Good. Let's Very go. Good. Let's have a beer. Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Lasted about half an hour at the party. Yeah, you're yeah. dead. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just love it where people try to act in character? Oh, it's, it's like... awful. I just want to hit them. <laughs> I do. I do. It's just so... It's like, will you stop? Please. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I was at this party, and there was a bunch of people like in The Walking Dead, you know? And okay. Like, you know, zombies, and they're acting like zombies and stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? Hey, how's it going, Frank? <laughs> If I, had a, I mean, in all these costumes, I mean, I suppose if they were all kind of related, it might be kind of fun, but it's like, okay, you got a cowboy, you got Walking Dead, you got a baseball player. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, yeah, I know. They really get into character. Some people just go way overboard. I know. And then right? I'm like, you're 65. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> just go, go to bed. Yeah, I, I told you, I... I uh, I've never been into costumes, but I tried. It was a costume party client of mine. This was 20 years ago or so, more than 20 years ago, because Robbie was a baby. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do my best. And I, you know, I didn't. I, I've never gone to a costume store. I just get did whatever, you go to Buffalo's what, Breath. Whatever. No, they didn't have such things. Oh. I mean, maybe they did, but I just went into my closet and and got some stuff. I, and I had uh, and I got some face makeup. I put all kinds of stuff on. I had this weird wig, weird clothes. And the whole night, everyone goes, "Who are you?" I go, "I didn't know you have to be anything. I'm just different." <laughs> what are you supposed to be? Um, uh, I'm Big Al. I don't know. <laughs> different. <laughs> oh, yeah. This one year was so bad. I had to wear this like '70s shirt, right? It's like Mikey Martin is one of my best friends. Yeah, they love can't they can't get enough of Halloween. If <laughs> Halloween was every night, they would <laughs> they be the happiest people night. in the world. Yeah, right? right, right. And I'm like, no, I hate Halloween. I'm not going out. And no, you're going out. And I was like, okay, whatever. I go, I'm not. I, I'm not dressing up. No, you have to dress up. <laughs> so then they give me this like skin tight like '70s shirt. Oh, right with the really? big collar, yeah. Right, it's short sleeved, and then I got these bell bottoms on, and they gave me this wig, right? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, whatever. And I got, <laughs> so I go to the party, right? And yeah. I'm hanging out, and I'm like, you, hey, I don't have to be anyone. Everyone, <laughs> hey, Greg Brady. Yeah, right. It's like, you... <laughs> yeah. So I was Greg Brady for one uh, apparently. year. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. Well, no one could even do that with me. It's like, wait, that's that's. I don't know. I can't figure out who you are. Neither can I.
Yeah, then, you know, you go to the haunted houses. Do you like to go to those things? Not particularly. Oh, I hate them. I went, my cousin was in town from Tucson, right? So we go to the one downtown San Diego. Yeah. She gets so scared, she pushes me off the cat rope. <laughs> <laughs> I hit my head, right? I'm bleeding. <laughs> oh, And then I went with my brother. This is several years ago when we were kids. And so there was like this, you know, some gorilla in a cage, right? right? And so we're walking by, and they got the strobe lights going. Right. We're kids. My yeah. brother's a big boy. Yeah. My brother's like 6'5", 300 pounds, right? Right. right. Like a lineman. Yeah. And so we're walking down the catwalk, and then the strobe lights are going off, and all of a sudden, this guy rips open some bars. Like he was in a cage, and then the bars like were bent, and he threw his head out. Right. So what does my brother do? Hits him right in the face. Oh, boy. <laughs> he got so scared. He hit him. That was his only. And right, guess what? Lights go on. We get escorted out. I'm like 12. Right. <laughs> yeah, those good times. Well, I did. I do was... not have one fond memory of Halloween. I, I, I do have one fond haunted house experience. I was probably my Ryan, my younger son, was probably 12. His birthday, and uh, it was October 18th. So we had a party with a couple of his kids. Universal Studios. They had a haunted house there, and I went into that with him and one of his buddies. And uh, the two of them were so freaked. It was just, it was actually pretty funny. And, and the, the funniest thing, actually, we got out of there. And both, so senior and, kids freak out and cry of And so the one, the fear one, is, it's, it's, is, it's, is it's enjoyment. Nothing better as a dad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we get out of this thing. The one kid that did it said, uh, I will never do that again. And Ryan goes, let's do it again. So two of us did it again. And he was just as scared the second time. <laughs> that actually was a good memory. That was an even better story, Al. It was. <laughs> but Joe, do you know that thousands of Americans <laughs> will unnecessarily pay the IRS this year on income they never received? And most of them won't even realize it. Want, are you bailless right now? Until it's too late. Yes, I am. Uh, how about this? Why don't you go to our website, purefinancial.com. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Have a safe Halloween. Hopefully, you will have a better Halloween story than Al and I just told for the last five minutes. That yeah, was awful. Yeah, and email us some email. Yeah, get, right? give us a better story. Yeah, give us some good stories. Yeah, for next week. Um, like I said, have a great weekend, everyone. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson. You just listened to another wonderful episode of Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll see you next week.